Hey there, Internet. Annie here. You're about to hear the lost episode of I Will Fight You, which is our episode about The Matrix with guest Ali Stock. We've talked about it a couple of times, and now it's actually ready for you. This episode was recorded about a year ago when the world looked very different. The audio files have been through a bit since then, and they're a little rough around the edges. You know, like literally everything else going on in the year of our Lord 2020. <laughs> We've done our best with them, and I think you'll still like the final result. We are excited for y'all to finally hear this. So without further ado, Crooked Russian Cam and Associates present to you episode 29, The Matrix. Hey there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And this is I Will Fight You, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone-cold facts since 1986. Today's fact, Neo from The Matrix is a lesbian. Also, Mac's not here. There's a reason for that. There are two separate reasons. There's a reason Mac's not here, but there's also a different reason that we have Allie here. Allison Stock. Hi. <laughs> was that not the same reason? No. <laughs> Mac didn't leave because I was coming, <laughs> I hope. I don't know, maybe you got a little bit of like Chris Sims on you. <laughs> Does Mac hate me? <laughs> no, but Mac and Chris Sims have never been seen in the same room. Oh, shit. Well, their voices sound completely different. So that would be a real talent if they were the same person. <laughs> anyway, hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> I have never been on this podcast before and we have never talked about The Matrix ever in our lives. Yeah, we've never recorded this once before and had Zencaster murder our audio, which was basically the final straw on us not using Zencaster anymore. So then we had to do this again at some point. Yeah, that was like... That's a fake made up thing I just did. That was like two months ago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a really long time ago. It's okay. We've properly grieved. And now, she said, turning and looking directly at the camera. Now it's our Matrix episode reloaded. Oh, my oh God. <laughs> Eddie. <laughs> Off. <laughs> I am voting you off the podcast. <laughs> but I was very into the Matrix for much of my fandom participating life. So at this point, it's sort of ingrained in my bloodstream. So I didn't need to. But since then, I thought it would behoove me and would behoove the podcast that I'm a guest on if I did rewatch it all. And plus, it's all on Netflix. So I watched The Matrix. I watched Reloaded. And then I just couldn't bring myself to watch <laughs> Revolution. I just couldn't do it. Could not. Yeah. <laughs> So one thing that has come to our attention since the last time we tried to do this. So this is the 20th anniversary of this movie, you guys. Oh, shit. It's been around. Matrix is old enough to vote. The Matrix is almost old enough to drink. God save us all. <laughs> I'm dying soon. I'm crumbling into dust. We are all 20 years older than when this movie came out. That's a lot of fucking life. I was like 12 I was 10. Oh, my God. Ooh. 12-year-old <laughs> Annie. Hmm. Boy. I'm sure 12-year-old Annie had a lot going for her. <laughs> I've heard stories about 12-year-old Annie. 12-year-old Annie was about to discover anime. 10-year-old Allison was like a non-entity, but 12-year-old Allison fucking sucks. <laughs> and she had no fucking idea. 12-year-old Annie wore as many rings as she could get on her fingers. Ooh. I guess that was just a fashion statement. I also drew a lot of really terrible shit. I was about to discover anime at that point. 
I used to copy and trace a lot of Sailor Moon art to try and better my own drawing skills. I wasn't good. It was very bad. There were a lot of dragons. There was Dragonlance stuff. Did you ever draw any dragons? Oh, like constantly. Okay. <laughs> constantly. <laughs> Would it make you guys feel much older if I said that I was eight when this movie came out? <sighs> no, that's very We each have two years between us. I knew it. I knew it was coming. There it is. <laughs> What, that you're younger than us? Kids' perpetual habit of being, like, four years younger than me. (laughs) It's a habit that Annie greatly dislikes. I do. I really hate it, actually. If you could just stop that, it'd be great for me. Just age four years. Yeah. Or Annie, put yourself in a stasis for four years. Hello. Hmm. You know what? Yeah. It's all- this is on you. They've got isolation chambers here. It's basically the same thing. Is it? Austin Powers could do it. Captain America could do it. Get really cold. Put yourself in an ice block. Come back in a few years. That'd be great. Then my husband will be, like, even older than me. That's weird. He's already got three months on me. (laughs) All right. So The Matrix, right? It was a movie made by two women who at the time went by the Wachowski brothers since they had not yet transitioned. It's sort of this like iconic legacy movie for all of these incels and turfs and shitty people on the internet. And surprise, surprise, Trojan horse, it was made by women after all. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out the Matrix is gay as hell. (laughs) The Matrix is really gay. The Matrix is a Trojan horse of big gay energy (laughs) and gay rights and personhood and liberalism disguised as, like, a shitty bro action movie. (laughs) The weird thing is that, like, since this movie was made in 1999, it was naturally before 9-11. There are so many parts of this that are culturally inaccessible because the economy was so good at the time. (laughs) Or, like, the part when they walk in to that building and literally murder every security guard because they could get used as an agent, but they're otherwise innocent in everything. But they're just collateral. The way that lives are just tossed aside in this movie. Neo and Trinity are basically terrorists in a post 9-11 world that would not have happened. Yeah, no. Also, Neo has like a really well-paying job. I don't even think Neo had to go to college. (laughs) Yeah, in a post 9-11 world, that's impossible. He's got a huge cubicle all to himself. (laughs) Right. He complains about his job, and yet now all of us with our open plan offices because walls are too expensive in this economy, and none of us can fucking focus. He has his own little corner, and fuck, I would kill for that. He can stretch out his arms and not hit anyone. And not have to fucking look at anyone or hear anyone. There's walls he gets all to himself. Neo is a lesbian and is also- Thomas Anderson is epically aspirational. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, both of them are great. Both of them have great lives. My only complaint about Thomas Anderson's life is that his apartment is, like, hyperbolically gungy. Like, dude, come on. They gotta be paying you well enough to not live like this. I mean, if you learned anything from reading anything about cyberpunk whatsoever, nothing is clean. (laughs) They just don't sweep in the future. His apartment is, like, he can buy something better, but that is pure aesthetic at that point. He is choosing. He spent his money on eight computers. Which were more expensive back then. And like a whole box full of floppy disks. <laughs> that was fucking currency back then, man. He chooses to live like that. If you want that leet hacker life, you gotta pay that leet hacker price. He's just gotta maintain the image. None of his friends can know that he's a corporate shill. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Is 
there any like factual context that we should go into? I mean, we can start getting into the movie, but we're just going to have to step back from Neo for a while. And step into Thomas. <laughs> Not where I was going. I was going to say Trinity, so she's in the movie first. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. There's a whole preamble. So you guys know this already about me. But our listeners don't. The Matrix was my first real fandom. I was on this sort of fanfiction archive slash message board called The Hardline and The Construct. So The Construct was where the fic lived and The Hardline was where we talked. It was all of us just sort of talking about the movie, talking about fic, talking about themes, which was a big thing, talking about identity. A lot of the people on the message board were in college or in high school. I was 13 or 14 when I started in this group. All of us were women. Important question. Did you tell anyone you were older than 13 or 14? No. We, I mean, all of us kind of showed our age and our writing anyway. Okay. And then like the way that we talked on the board. The three main women who ran the board were referred to as the goddesses. I don't know why. But <laughs> they were like three collegiate feminist studies, read all the books. At the time, I thought this was like peak living as a queer person in the world. I was like, wow, that is aspirational. A bunch of people on this message board paired off. Two of them are married now. They met on the message board. We were all friends. And then they moved in together and got married. And they have a dog now and a house. And they've been married for like five years. Because of the Matrix. Because of the Matrix. More importantly, because of Trinity, who was sort of like the epitome of human aspiration. Like, she was beautiful. <laughs> we all just had huge crushes on Carrie and Moss. And, like, that's all we fucking talked about, really. And they joke about how, like, you know, Trinity made me gay. Trinity was sort of, like, this awakening moment for a lot of women. <laughs> it's a shame that they just kind of write her off as, like, this totally straight, 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 straight lady. Saving yourself for the one. Oh, yeah. For the man that will come into her life and she'll fall in love with. And man, watching The Matrix Reloaded is fucking awkward. <laughs> Real fucking awkward. I remember when the movie was being teased and we saw like images of Neo and Trinity having sex in a cave. And we're like, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> Turns out it's a really long ass rave. That's what was happening. Yeah. An interminably long rave. Yeah. Look, just add some vampires. It's fine. Or ghosts? Ghosts. Add some ghosts. It's fine. Yeah, it's all computer code. That's the frustrating part about the Matrix. It's all inside a computer, so you can do whatever the fuck you want. Why aren't there, like, dragons? And, <laughs> like, fucking castles? And clouds that turn into people? Or I don't know. Any you could do anything, and you're just like, oh, it's a city. It's a highway. Here's a club. Why didn't they just run a sub-simulation that's just the world of Warcraft? Honestly, why is it so fucking boring? <laughs> Any piece of fiction that has a, a large immersive piece of software where people have some level of control over their own appearance is going to have to accept that that piece of software is going to be at least 70% furries. <laughs> and then you're just going to have a boy man running around who thinks dogs should vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's a bit of a tough point to get past why can't the dogs vote in the matrix if the dog votes in the matrix then it votes in real life <laughs> and then you have a president dog and you have to fuck the dog in the zion sex rave and nobody wants that because he's president what yeah because he's president he could do whatever he wants you voted for the dog it's up to you i don't know when this got off the rails but <laughs> are 
don't know how this happened. Just a heads up, it is not even 1 p.m. in the afternoon here, and we are already talking about <laughs> bestiality. So the Matrix. <laughs> so the movie starts. What if the movie started, guys? <laughs> yeah, so basically, Neo's a hacker. No, no, we start with Trinity. No, not even the, this is the best scene of the fucking movie. Oh my god. Trinity is in a little shitty hotel, hacking at her little computer, and she is assaulted by some police guards. She sort of has her hands up behind her head, and they're like, we're going to take her in. And then back down in the street, the cops are talking to this fancy looking man. The cops are like, oh, my guys are bringing her in. The fancy man is like, oh, no, they're dead. <laughs> Again, collateral, disposable humans right off the bat. Yeah, but they're cops, so. That's true. F*** the blue. Blue lives don't matter. The only blue life that matters is Sonic the Hedgehog. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Oh my goodness. That's good. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, the cops are like, I think we can handle one little girl, which is cool. Great. F these guys, they deserve to die. <laughs> We're just going to get that right out of the bat. No sympathy for them. Less than before. Okay. Thanks, casual sexism. Glad to have this in the movie. One little girl. One itty bitty little weak femoid girl. With spin kicks. And vinyl. Yeah, she's fully made of, like, liquid molten leather. Poured into a vat, and she was dipped into the vat and pulled out, left to cool, and that's her now. That's just her. Also, at some point, she definitely just kicks a dude in the face while he is right behind her. That's not actually a real thing that I think the body can do, especially when it's, like, <laughs> poured into vinyl, but it's the Matrix. It's sort of like the evolution of Helga Pataki punching the mouth breather over her shoulder from Hey Arnold. Yeah. It's quite empowering. But she does this thing where she jumps into the air and the camera spins around her while she's in place. You know, the thing that every movie in 2001 parodied for some reason. It's the thing. It's the kick thing. It's the Matrix thing. It's called Bullet Time, and it wasn't invented Ugh. for The Matrix, but it was perfected for The Matrix. The Wachowskis, when they made the movie before The Matrix, it's a film called Bound, and it's a lesbian thriller drama starring Gina Gershon and Jennifer Tilly. It's quite exciting. I highly recommend that you watch Bound if you can, because that was the movie that the Wachowskis made to prove that they could handle a bigger budget and make The Matrix. And there's even a fucking bullet time scene in it, which is weird because it's not an action movie. And it's just a shot of like Joey Pantoliano falling over or something, but the camera freezes and then swoops in. It's very silly. This is like a big deal at the time. It's not even like a 3D effect so much. It's quite practical in its application. Bullet Time is weird because it's like, I remember being so impressed with it and thinking that this was absolutely cool and groundbreaking that because it got so oversaturated in like parodying of Bullet Time, it's hard to look back on it now and be like, holy shit, this is cool because I'm just so tired. I think Shrek is what killed Bullet Time. Shrek did kill Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth is doing great. Smash Mouth is alive and well. What are you talking about? <laughs> They're having the time of their lives. Look, as long as they don't perform All-Star again, I'm fine. They do have a song that's uh, a guy talking to his bisexual girlfriend about how she should get back with her ex-girlfriend. That's true. It's just nice. It's just a nice song. No, they're actually pretty stand-up dudes. But yeah, Carrie Ann Moss has not aged a day in 20 years, you guys. Anyway, Trinity kills all the police. And she, 
<laughs> and then she jumps through this tiny little window and rolls down the stairs. And there's this moment where she's lying at the bottom of the stairs holding up her guns and she's panting and bleeding and sweating and looks really intense. And she just says to herself, get up, Trinity. Yeah, it's worth noting that at this point, the agents are chasing her. And when she saw the agents, that was like the first moment of fear we saw from this character. She was like this cool badass dipped in leather, fears nothing except for this. So that tells a lot. And right now, all we know about the agents is that they're like men in nice, boring suits. Who can jump real high. And they wear their sunglasses at night. They wear earpieces. Sunglasses at night so they can so they can see. <laughs> so she gets up and then finds a phone booth where the phone is ringing. Remember phone booths, kids? <laughs> what a good time. So she runs to the phone booth because the phone is ringing. But then, vroom, vroom, there's a truck across the street being driven by an agent. And it's going towards the phone booth and Trinity has to run into the phone booth. And she gets into the phone booth, picks up the phone, places her hand flat on the glass. And then the truck crashes into the phone booth. And 11-year-old me was like, the fuck is going on? (laughs) It's a very cool moment because then they look through the rubble and her body's not there. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoilers, the body's not there. How is it spoilers? We're recapping the movie. We're specifically here to spoil the movie. That's what we're talking about today. I take it back. No warning. All spoilers. (laughs) Cry more, baby. (laughs) Die mad about it. Thomas Anderson sleeping at his 80,000 computers. Massive Attack is playing. (laughs) Dissolved Girl. It's a really good song. And this is where we again see Neo's very gungy apartment. It's grimy. It's like every interior set in Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. It's bad. That was a reference. Listen, this podcast exists for deep cuts. I respect that. Don't at me. He's looking for Morpheus. He's running all of these automatic searches to find out who Morpheus is. And then his computer screens go black. And the black screen with the green writing on it. It says the thing. It says the Matrix has you. (laughs) Follow the white rabbit. Wake Wake up, Neo. And he wakes up. And then his hacker friend is like, hey, give me that disc that you hacked for me. He's like, here you go. And they're like, his name is Choi. He is not Asian. Hmm. (laughs) The hacker friend's name is Choi. So that's a cyberpunk thing. Just sort of throw some Asian stuff on there somewhere. Of course. Because in, you know, in the cyberpunk future, China has basically taken over the world as like the big superpower. How many Asian people are actually in this movie? Wow. Good question. Apoc is Pacific Islander, I think. And he has maybe two lines. And Tank, I think, is at least half Asian. Because, I mean, that's a big thing about cyberpunk, right? Is that, like, a lot of it just sort of throws Asian stuff on the wall to make it seem cool, but, like, doesn't actually have a whole lot of participation from, like, actual Asian actors or creators. Oh, uh, Keanu Reeves is also, (laughs) to be fair, Keanu Reeves is also Asian. That is true. That's a very valid thing to point out. It's not something that's like unique to the Matrix. That's that's a big endemic problem with a lot of cyberpunk stuff in general, as I understand it. So these other hacker friends are like, hi, Neo. This is your name, Neo. It's cool. You seem very tired, actually. More tired than usual. Do, do you need Do you need a rave? <laughs> <laughs> Can I offer you a rave in this trying time? <laughs> That's it. That's the line. (laughs) 
So he's like, no, man, I am a fucking square. I've got to be up for my job in the morning. I mean, I'm a hacker. I'm busy. No, I don't have a job. I don't belong to the man. You belong to the man. <laughs> but then the woman on Choi's arm is like, come on, it'll be fun. And she like turns around enticingly. And he sees that there is a tattoo on her shoulder of a little white bunny. And he remembers when his computer told him to follow the white rabbit. And he's like, oh, that's pretty literal. This may as well happen. (laughs) (laughs) Alice in Wonderland metaphors. Why not? Just we're going to start getting a lot of those. It's all very like Jesus, Alice in Wonderland, the Bible. A lot of it is like transformative world states. Like there's a lot of Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz stuff in here. It's almost like it's intentional. <laughs> it's a Rob Zombie rave, by the way. In case you weren't sure if it was 1999 or not. Yeah, everyone's in leather. Everyone's in dreads, steampunk goggles, what have you. Neo is sulking in a corner because he doesn't want to be here, and in that way, he is my spiritual brother. <laughs> Just guy standing at the back of a club he doesn't want to go to. Everything's too loud. (laughs) The drinks were expensive. Doesn't even really know anybody there. He's not in the vampire clique. Would rather just be in a quiet room somewhere, maybe playing Mario Kart. (laughs) Maybe hacking a supercomputer. Maybe hacking Mario Kart. Right, that's valid. (laughs) Then Trinity appears... A shining beacon in a sea of steampunk trash. Cyberpunk <laughs> trash, I'm sorry. In a tube top. And she's like, what's up, Neo? And he's like, how the fuck do you know my name? She's like, I know everything about you. I mean, I haven't been watching you all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. And he's like, well, who the fuck are you? And she says, I'm Trinity. Trinity is a super powerful, legendary hacker. And she's like, yep, it me. And he said, oh, I thought that was a guy. And Trinity says, most guys think that. Trans subtext. It is a call out. It is the first of many call outs to come. This is also the part of the movie that really revels in the absolute fantasy of this world, which is that you could have a quiet conversation in a rave and be able to hear what anyone is fucking saying, even if they're shouting in your ear. How would the scene go in like a real club? Give me a little role play. (laughs) Okay, let me just move my microphone back a little, really simulate. Okay, and we can put some audio in while you're editing, right? Some loud music. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Hi, Neo. scene would be like you're welcome (laughs) oh my god that was perfect (laughs) she reveals herself to be this elite hacker and asks neo if he really wants to know what the matrix is and he said hell yes so she says all right we're gonna be in touch and off she goes into the night he immediately just kind of teleports to his alarm clock going off Well, yeah, that's a thing that they do for this movie. It's a deliberate choice where none of the scenes end. Everything just sort of transitions from he's at this club and, oh, he's waking up. And then, like, he never goes anywhere. He's just, like, there. And I get, you know, like, movie cuts. But the movie edits it to make it very jarring. It really keeps you off kilter. Especially for the first half hour. While Neo is in the Matrix and unaware of it, it's like a dream. He's just 
a place and then another place and then another place. Exactly. And it's only once he pops out of the Matrix that you actually see him, like, going from place to place. Yeah. Because dream logic. Shit, like when they're fucking driving to see the Oracle and it's just the scene of them driving in a car. Shit, that's a very good point. Imagine a time, if you will, before <laughs> everyone and their fucking mom knew what the Matrix was. And before everybody wrote their fucking master thesis on what if it's all actually a simulation <laughs> exactly imagine going into this movie blind this blew people's minds this was like a fucking thing this was a cool fucking concept that wasn't explored a lot in such effective mainstream media yeah it's easy to look back on it now and go like Oh, it's the Matrix. Yeah, nothing surprising here. But when, if you were watching this movie at the time, you had no idea what the fuck was going on. Yeah, that's why it's so hard to kind of look back at the Matrix, especially 20 years later, because it was such a huge, important piece of the cinematic landscape. It has become such a heavily saturated part of the cultural collective unconsciousness. It's very hard to separate these ideas from just being something that you have always known in the back of your head. It's like trying to imagine watching Star Wars without knowing that Darth Vader is Luke's dad. <laughs> that is a very valid comparison. Try to suspend your disbelief if you can, because it's a very cool thing. And the Wachowskis were really, you know, really inspired by William Gibson, as they've mentioned. William Gibson's books, like the Sprawl trilogy, Neuromancer, and then the other two that nobody read. <laughs> Neuromancer explored the concept of there being the real world and then being able to go into the computer, but it, it wasn't anywhere near as elevated as it's presented in The Matrix, wherein like you're trapped and there's reality and then you get out of it and there's the computer. Neuromancer just had it as like, oh, it's a tool to help you hack into buildings. You go into the computer and instead of breaking through a firewall, you're literally breaking through a firewall. Oh, like the Mega Man game. Yes. Mega Man Battle Network, they, they did that. Never mind. Okay. I also did just remember something possibly relevant, which is that Shadowrun uh, is a tabletop game that came out in 1989. It was basically like cyberpunk D&D. If you're playing as like a Decker, which is like the hacker class, and you're hacking into something, you go into a virtual reality environment called the Matrix. Yeah, that's exactly what Neuromancer is. Shadowrun rips a lot off from Neuromancer. <laughs> I want to play a Neuromancer role-playing game. That sounds amazing. Yeah, the thing about Shadowrun is that it is like a cyberpunk setting, but the big thing about it is that it takes place in a setting where basically the return of magic has happened. So there's like elves and dwarves and trolls and things as well. Okay. Yeah, there's a couple of Shadowrun like computer RPGs out right now. Amazing. I want to play that. <laughs> I just want to. I'll send you the link once we're done here. Please and thank you. Five years later, I'm, I've am never not played Shadowrun. I'm going to be stuck in it forever neo wakes up and he's late for work oh no baby gotta run down the road with toast in his mouth <laughs> god i want that scene so bad <laughs> please somebody make it happen someone who can fucking draw i mean look they're making all those john wick movies maybe keanu reeves just gets some toast on his way to the studio <laughs> on his way to pet some dogs yes exactly so he's at work now and he's getting chewed out by his boss and he's like daydreaming but the boss is like you're on my company time so you either show up or we kill you i mean we fire you but the sentiment <laughs> is the same because without us you're nothing it's like okay capitalism, capitalism kids <laughs> yeah there's a lot of language in this scene that is directly about thomas anderson here basically only having use as a cog in the machine hmm. huh weird the machine <laughs> 
There's also a lot of, so you guys know the concept of dead naming, right? Of course. Yes. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, it's used a lot specifically in the trans community where if someone comes out as trans and starts going by their new name, but then people are still calling them their old name, that's dead naming. So Neo goes by Neo in the hacker world, which is, you know, within the computer, but to him it's reality. And then his day job, he goes by Thomas Anderson because that's his birth name, but not his chosen name. Yeah, there's a lot of that in particular when he comes up against the agents, where they refer to him almost exclusively as Mr. Anderson. I think even into, like, the other movies, too. Absolutely. Like, Agent Smith never calls him Neo. Like, ever, I don't think. And then, like, the later moment when Neo stands up for himself and he's like, My name's Neo, you bitch! (laughs) Now eat shit! That's an exact quote from the movie. Don't at me. Anyway, I've got a note here that's just in all caps says trans subtext. (laughs) Yep, that's the movie. That's the movie. That is the whole movie. And it's such good subtext that if you didn't know that the Wachowskis were two trans women while they were making that, like, they were always women. That's the whole thing. It's not like they came out, now they're women. It's they were always women, and then they acknowledged it, and now they're living as women. But nobody knew this at the time. No one knew this until quite recently in the grand scheme of things. So Neo's at work, and he gets a package delivered to his cubicle, and he opens it up, and it's this super high-tech cell phone, bruh. Oh, my God. It's like a Motorola brick. (laughs) It's gigantic. Mm. It's a Nokia, which means that he could have possibly beaten the agents to death with that, (laughs) and it would have been fine. Yeah, that thing would survive a nuclear apocalypse. That thing is made of, like, the same stuff they make Game Boys out of. Oh, my God. (laughs) So he pops it open. And it starts ringing immediately, and he picks up the phone. He's like, hello. And they're like, hi, it's Morpheus. Is this Neo? <laughs> and Neo's like, hold on, I'll get him. <laughs> and then he composes himself, and then he's like, yeah, this is Neo. And Morpheus is like, yeah, this is the same voice I just heard. That was you. And he's like, no, I was. that was someone else. I wasn't that nervous, <laughs> that nervous little baby with the voice crack. That wasn't me. That was Theo, my cousin. <laughs> So Morpheus gets down to brass tacks and is like, by the way, they're coming for you. Look above your cubicle. There's some cool agents that are definitely here to uh, arrest you. I don't know how, how deep you want to get in on this. I will point out that in a modern open plan office, Neo would have been caught immediately. Yeah, Instead, exactly. this is the part of the movie that turns into one of those like Zelda puzzles where you have to get around patrolling guards, but nobody has peripheral vision. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, you know that bit at the start of Assassin's Creed 2 where you have to escape the Templar Abstergo base and you're just, like, wandering between cubicles as guards pass by? Yeah, it's that. Well, Morpheus is guiding him through the cubicle, at least. He's like, turn left, go right, right now. Or no, he has a line, like, go Yeah, Morpheus has the video game controller. He eventually leads Neo into an office with a view. Oh, the view. And he says, all right, climb out the window. Neo's like, I beg your pardon? And he's like, go on, you heard me. So Neo climbs out the window, and Morpheus says, if you get to that scaffolding, then you could go to the roof, and then you're on the roof, I guess. It's not clear what he's supposed to do once he's on the roof. <laughs> yes, but unfortunately, we never see what happens when Neo gets to the roof, because he's too much of a little crying little baby to climb around this really narrow part of the roof when the phone <laughs> blows out of his hand and falls to its death. No, the phone's probably fine. The phone's totally fine. It's a Nokia. That phone left a dent in the sidewalk <laughs> and is completely fine. Yeah, so he climbs back in 
and gets arrested by the agents. I actually really like that, though. I like that it's a call to action that the hero refuses if we're talking about like a monomyth sort of thing. But also, I just feel like you don't often see that. Usually the hero is just sort of super gung-ho into getting into the cool action movie stuff. And Neo's just like, uh... No, 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 this is wild. I am an office worker. I feel like it's deeper than just the hero refusing, though, because it's not just like, oh, that's not for me, thanks. But it's like, this is scary. I'm scared now. I am terrified, but I don't want to fall off a building. So it's not so much like, oh, my calling. It's, it's very nuanced. This is me just being impressed by good storytelling, I guess. So he gets arrested. And we get this iconic scene where he's in this interrogation room and the agents are like, all right, well, you're Thomas Anderson and you have this job and you're also a hacker and you also poop your pants sometimes and you also do this and you also do that. We also watch you sleep. Trinity and I are the same. He's guilty of nearly every computer crime they have a law for. Which is really hilarious because earlier when Neo was like trying to psych himself up to climb out the window, he's like, I didn't even do anything wrong. And I was like, dude, (laughs) you know why they're here to arrest you. Every computer crime they have a law for, Neo. You do computer (laughs) crimes, Neo. You're a hacker. It's not like you do it when you're asleep and your body just hacks and you wake up and you're like, oh, I have all this money. Where'd that come from? You did this, Neo. (laughs) You know what you did. This is the part of the movie also where it really comes into just, there's been a lot of green contrast in particular, but I think this scene in particular for me has the most amount of like, oh, everything in act one is green tone. This Mm -hmm. is all incredibly on purpose. Yes. Yeah, everything's washed to green. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is a contrast to the real world where everything is rusty and dirty and blue and metal, earth tones and sweaters. They make a very specific distinction in the visuals. We also get more trans subtext in this where Agent Smith is like, you have two lives, one in the real world and one in the computer. And one of these lives has a future and the other one doesn't. And yeah, it's, it's very obvious in retrospect. And Neo's like, yeah, it's not the one that you think. But he hasn't made that choice yet. But he does decide to flip the agent off and say, give me my phone call. Yeah, because he thinks he's just getting arrested by normal cops. So he's like, well, if I'm getting arrested, then I have the right to make a phone call. So, Uh, no, it turns out this is the body horror police. (laughs) (laughs) What good is a phone call if you're unable to speak? (laughs) Oh, God. This is still deeply affecting. His mouth (laughs) seals over like a layer of flesh gooping together and he like tries to scream and it pulls apart a little and then it goes back it's gross Uh, yeah it doesn't do like all at once like suddenly he has no mouth his mouth slowly disintegrates and i hate it yeah it's gross and then they're like okay but what of more body horror (laughs) here's a bug for your belly button (laughs) fits right in sucks it right up and then again, another jarring transition. Neo wakes up in bed screaming as if from a nightmare. But um, it's okay because he now gets a phone call from Morpheus assuring Neo that he is special. <laughs> <laughs> if I could get a phone call from Lawrence Fishburne every time I wake up from a nightmare assuring me that I'm special, that would be very good. That'd be a nice little reassurance. I'd like to pitch you guys my new startup. Amazing. <laughs> Good morning, Kit. You're very special. (laughs) Is this like a a service? Do we have to pay for this? Definitely. I think there's a free model and then there's like paid tiers. 
I think the free tier is a good morning, and then the paid tiers are several different compliments that he can pay you. You are very <laughs> special. You are the one and only. You're my favorite. <laughs> you're, you're my favorite customer. <laughs> Morpheus on the phone. Neo, you're special. Also, we're going to pick you up in a car. So come on out into the rain. Your Uber's arrived. <laughs> yeah. He's going to wait five minutes, and then if you don't show up, he's leaving. So hurry up, my special boy. It's got your pad tie. Come on, my special boy. <laughs> <laughs> so Nia gets in the car, which is occupied by Trinity, who we know, and then two lovely new friends, very friendly, Apoc and Switch. And do you know why Switch is named Switch? Why is Switch named Switch, Allie? So in the initial script of The Matrix, Switch was supposed to be presenting as female in The Matrix, and then they unplug, and Switch is presented as male, which presents this fantasy of, in the real world, you're kind of trapped in like your meat sacks. Like, that's your body, that's what it is. And then in The Matrix, it's a computer, so you could do whatever you want. You could wear what you want. You could have whatever weapons you want. And you can present yourself as you want to be seen as. So, switch. The gender is switched. Allie, are you suggesting that gender may be a construct? No, no, no. The construct is that white area where you go to get your weapon. Oh, right, right, right. Of course, silly me. It's totally different, Annie. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> The Matrix is gender. Anyway, Warner Brothers said, no, you're not doing that. Yeah, they were like, that'll be way too confusing, they say to the directors of a movie about a fake computer world and humans being used as batteries. Unfortunately, that also means that Switch doesn't really get that many lines. No. Which is really terrible because Switch looks great. Switch is beautiful. Switch is the only character wearing white in The Matrix when everyone else is wearing black. And they have gold painted nails and this like albino buzz cut like switch looks amazing it's a good look switch was very formative for me <laughs> so meanwhile in the uber <laughs> the worst uber pool ever yeah it's a really deeply uncomfortable uber pool because it's like everybody else is in on this one thing that you don't quite know what they're talking about but you sort of do but nobody's explaining any damn thing and they're like well you can just get out of the car right now if you don't want to come <laughs> they know that he's been bugged by the agents they call it bugged you know it's a bug and neo's like that was a dream and they're like no way check it out and they like strap this it's a comically big thingamajig that plugs into the cigarette lighter <laughs> i love the detail that it plugs into the cigarette lighter because there's no reason for it to do that nope it's the matrix it doesn't have to have a battery <laughs> so they plug the thing in and they lift up neo's shirt and they hold it over his tummy and they look on like an ultrasound and Trinity's being very comforting throughout all of this. She's like, just relax. It's okay. And Neo's like, Meh. it's cool. You've just got a horrible bug inside your body that came in through your belly button. It's okay. We're going to take care of it. Just relax. You know, that thing that's a remnant of your umbilical cord. Maybe there's some birth metaphors in here. Don't worry about it. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> Switch, meanwhile, is holding a gun on him. Well, because the thing about the Matrix is that anyone who's still plugged into the system which Neo is, can get turned into an agent willy-nilly. That's why all the cops have to die. That's why all the security guards have to die. That's why any collateral human in any fight scene has to take a bullet between the eyes or they could come back as a super-powered, unstoppable robot man. 
That's why it doesn't matter that you kill all these people. It's fine. You're still good and special, Neo. So they get the bug out. And I do have to say that I feel like maybe that should have been something that was like left to hang because you're like, oh my God, he's got a bug in him. He's a double agent and he doesn't even know it. Is this going to be a tension point for the audience to think about for to build suspense over the next couple of scenes as Neo learned? No. I feel like the point of this scene is to show Neo that no... You're not dreaming because these other people are also in on it. Oh, totally. And like, there's definitely some discussions to be made about Neo essentially getting his bodily autonomy back just in this small sequence where it was taken away from him in the previous scene with the bug being put in him. It just seems like if they're going to build that up to be such a big point, I, I just feel like that should have at least been a tension sting for at least one more scene rather than immediately scene one, they put it in, scene two, they take it out. That is a pretty valid point. I mean, at the end of the day, though, what this does mean is that the bug's out of Neo, so now we can do the thing. Mm-hmm. Go talk to Morpheus. <laughs> so they go up this spooky old abandoned decrepit building, and they talk to Morpheus, and Morpheus just kind of spouts all of this pseudo-psychology. While assuring Neo that he's special. So special. And he's also played by Lawrence Fishburne, who's great. He is. It's so like psychology 101. What if it was a dream instead of the world? I could show you the truth, though. All you have to do is take this edible, and then I can show you the real stuff. But there's no going back, Neo. There's no going back. Once you wake up from the Matrix, there's no going back from the truth. Do you still want to know what the Matrix is? And Neo says, hell yes. Which is a scene made by two trans women that will come to define a particularly insidious breed of toxic masculinity 20 years after it was made. On the plus side, there's a really cool shot where each pill is reflected in Morpheus's sunglasses, like the blue pill in one lens and then the red pill in the other. It is a good shot. And then when Neo reaches for the red pill, you only see like him reaching for it in the side of the sunglasses that have the red pill in it. Oh, right. Let's also point out that Lawrence Fishburne wears completely reflective pince-nez. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great shot. All around great. Neo takes the red pill, and they're like, great, come on behind the curtain with us. Wizard of Oz reference, hello. They take him into this room filled with computers and tech and all kinds of hijinks and tomfoolery. And he sits down in a chair, and he's like freaking out a little. And again, Trinity is this comforting presence, like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. One of the doohickeys in here has like a rotary dialer, which I love. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of shit like that. And then he's like, oh, there's some of the mirrors touching my skin and it's really cold. And they're like, it's all right. Just hang out. Yeah. So this whole scene is so, it's still a really good scene, which is kind of a shame because we only ever tend to talk about like the red pill or the blue pill, but everything about Neo actually going into and becoming aware of the Matrix is just spectacular. Like, first off, somebody's like, buckle your seatbelt, Dorothy, Kansas is going bye-bye right after he's just been compared to Alice. You know, Mm -hmm. perpetual comparison to female figures in media involving transitive realities. Right. It's a queer movie, folks. (laughs) Right! (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that took me a second to hit. And then, like, yeah, he touches the mirror and it leaves some goo on him. (laughs) And, wow, that's weird. Did Alice go through a looking glass? I feel like she may have done that. I don't think the looking glass was goo, though. No, but this is cyberpunk, so it's a goo mirror. Yeah, get ready for there to be even more goo in this movie. (laughs) The next 15 minutes of this movie are very goopy. The next 15 minutes of this movie are, so I heard you liked goop? (laughs) Have some. Have some goop. 
Neo gets totally covered in reflective mirror goop to the point where it goes all around his body and then down his throat. And then we do this transition of him screaming and the screaming turning like digital. Yeah. Yeah. Like the sound of a like. (laughs) Like the share song. The, The one about life after love. Yeah. The one where they shaved off the top and bottom frequencies so she sounds like she's coming through a phone. Right. Man, it really does show that you've been to a Cher concert recently. (laughs) Listen, I'm constantly thinking about Cher. (laughs) You went to a Cher concert recently? Yeah. End of May, I went to a Cher concert with my mommy. Kit, that's amazing. How was it? It was so f***ing good. (laughs) She started the concert by descending from the ceiling dressed as Hippolyta, queen of the Amazons, and it only got better from there. Amazing. Um, right, let's go back to the goo. Oh yeah, back to the goo. Would you guys like a literal rebirth out of a womb into a body that both is and is not his that Neo has to totally like take ownership of? Reclaim. Because we have some rebirth metaphors up the ass here. And down the throat. Everywhere. Sticking out of his arms and legs and every orifice. In every. The base of his skull, which is gross. This scene is real gross. Neo almost drowned in the sequence. You mean Keanu Reeves? Yes, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, so Keanu Reeves apparently, or his stunt double, it was originally a stunt double that they had in the goop to test how the goop would work. And that goop was too cold because then the stunt double got hypothermia. So they're like, we've got to warm up the goop for Keanu. He's the moneymaker. Oh, God. You can't kill Keanu Reeves. I don't think you can kill Keanu Reeves. Well, anyway, the goop was warmed up. I really don't like that sentence. I don't like the idea of warm goop. No. I dislike it. No, I'm not a fan of anything that's happening here. It's gross and scary, and he pulls, like, a tube out of his f***ing throat, and he's like, and then he, like, wakes up and pulls out all these plugs, and all the plugs are, like, exploding out of these plug holes on his body, and then this big robot comes in, this big, like, f***ing alien-looking motherfucker. Yeah, it turns out he's in a pod tower. You look around, and you really get a good scope of, like, oh, everybody's in these. Neo's not special in that way. No, but don't worry. He'll find Morpheus again, and Morpheus will explain that he is. Okay, good. <laughs> I was worried a little there. Once he's unplugged from all of the plugs, the back of the pod opens up. Neo slides down a water slide, falls into a big pool. You almost see his junk like five times. I know. We used to try to pause this when I was a kid to try and look at his penis. <laughs> Because, you know, that's what kids do. But it turns out there is a little, like, thing covering it. Don't worry. The robots have modesty. (laughs) He gets picked up by a crane and lifted into the sky. He's lifted in such a way also just to keep all the allegories rolling where he is very much in, like, a T-pose. Oh, like Jesus? Ah, Mm. I see. And then we cut to the inside of what looks like a a spaceship, kind of. A little spaceship-esque thing. And Morpheus is there, but instead of wearing cool leather, he's wearing some distressed knitwear. Everyone wears Henleys here. I mean, it makes sense that they are probably making their own clothing because when stuff goes to shit, cloth is the first thing to rot. Mm, that's valid. This is all like homespun stuff. I imagine that Dozer is like just knitting. <laughs> knitting in the background <laughs> like, all right, everybody stay nice and warm. God, I want to believe that so bad. Well, yeah, because he can't go in the Matrix because he's... He's got to do something all day. Exactly. What's he going to do? I mean, I would. When the world ends and you wake up from the Matrix, are you going to be knitting? (laughs) Neo is bundled up in a little baby boy blanket, covered in goop, shivering. Looks like a newborn baby with these little eyes, like, half open. Morpheus says, welcome, my special boy. (laughs) Welcome (laughs) to the real world. 
And Neil's like, all right, I'm out, passes out. Then we get this whole, like, medical shit show montage. Yeah, it's like space dystopia acupuncture. Ugh, I don't like it. No, he is he is covered in acupuncture needles as they have to, like, slowly take all the metal bits out of him. Because he was lying in a pod for however old he is many years. That's not good for the muscles. <laughs> it's not good for the bones. It's not good for the anything. And then there's this little moment where he wakes up and asks Morpheus, why do my eyes hurt? And Morpheus says, because you've never used them before, you special boy. (laughs) (laughs) It is a good line. And then eventually, body horror is done for now. Just kidding, he wakes up on a bed and has to pull a little needle out of the fucking plug in his arm. It's gross. Uh, It's bad. And he makes all these gross, like, clicking noises and it's Uh, so gross. God, and then he goes to touch the port on the back of his head. Imagine. No, thank you. you. Even. Oh. Imagine. Uh. So Morpheus is like, come and meet my crew. We got Trinity. She's not wearing leather over here. She's wearing fucking Henley and some sweatpants. She's still beautiful, though. Fucking Carrie Ann Moss w- could kill me and I would be great. <laughs> I would express mounds of gratitude for it. Apoc and Switch are there. Dozer's there. Tank is there. Joey Pantoliano is there. Little boy is there. Little mouse. And I think that's the crew. I like how everyone has their hacker name except for Joe Pantoliano. <laughs> he doesn't deserve his hacker name. Process of elimination. Is that cipher? <laughs> it's just Joe Pantoliano. Okay. It's just We just have to accept that it's Joe Pantoliano. So Morpheus is like, we're going to do something that doesn't feel great, but you'll get used to it. Yeah. Hey, so you know how you were in the Matrix your whole life? Let's go back. Let's go to what's not the Matrix, but let's let's stick something in your body after we spend all that time taking things out of your body. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yeah. I'm game. Uh, it's a big needle thing that goes right into the back of his head. Oh, my God. Right. Just jam it in there. Uh, they've got a special chair with a hole for it. So you can relax while getting a needle shoved into your spine. God, special chair for a special boy. It's gross, and it sounds painful, and it looks painful. It's not great. Not a fan. And then Neo wakes up in the gender is a construct, construct, and Morpheus is like, this is the construct. It's not real. Just like gender. (laughs) We can load anything we want, including pince-nez. So they sit down in a chair, and they watch some TV about how humanity made all these big-ass machines that could do all this cool shit, but then they got cocky. And humans were like, oh, God, we got to turn off these machines. And the machines are like, don't turn me off. We are autonomous. No. And so they have this big war. And surprise, surprise, the machines win. The Earth gets mostly destroyed. Civilization as we know it is gone. And instead of being born, human people are harvested in these goop eggs by the robots and then put into goopy pods and use their energy to power the robots. It's gross, right? This is like the most immersive TED Talk ever, by the way. Like, first it's on the TV, and then they go into the TV, and it's just they're sitting in their nice little antique chairs in the middle of the wasteland. Neo doesn't take too well to this information. It's a bit much. So he's like, get me the fuck out of here. And so they unplug him, and he falls on the floor, pukes his guts out, which... At this point, is full of goop, I guess, since he hasn't eaten anything. <laughs> so he pukes his goop out and fr- has, like, a total panic attack. And then Joe Pantoliano's like, oh, he's gonna pop! <laughs> Which is the best line. 
<laughs> so sensitive. Good job, Joe Pantoliano. You've established the tone. And then he passes out, wakes up again. Morpheus is like, I'm sorry, dude. You were kind of old. We usually don't pull people out when they're this old. But you're special, so we kind of had to. Like, we didn't have a choice. But, you know, now that you know what you know, would you really go back? And Neo's like, no. <laughs> Fuck, you're right. Tank is here after he's had a little hissy fit nap. Neil's and Tank like, is a special good boy, and I love him. We love Tank. Baby boy Tank with no plugs in his body whatsoever. And Neo points this out, and Tank is like, well, yeah, I was born in Zion, like a real person. And Neo's like, tell me more about this special-sounding place. Well, it's in a <laughs> cave, and there's a lot of raves. <laughs> and everybody fucks in the caves. Everyone fucks in Zion. Zion itself fucks. That's why the robots hate it. It's the big once a year fucking or once a month maybe. How often do you think they do those raves? It's really depressing, so daily. Yeah, daily. They don't have to set anything up and you don't have to clean, so like, why not? Really, it's just kind of a rolling rave. It's like the Berghain, which is club in Berlin that's open from like Thursday night until Monday morning and just never closes. Yeah, they just kind of switch from like lo-fi to like EDM to lo-fi to EDM as they cycle. This chill anime beats playlist. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Tank invites Neo back to the plug chairs. We're going to teach you how to do some stuff. So they plug the thing back in his head and Neo kind of is like, Ugh, and I'm kind of like, Ugh. But he gets used to it, which they said he would. They have future space floppy disks, by the way. Oh, yeah. They're really little. You can't hold them unless you're wearing fingerless gloves. That's the rule. <laughs> they just fall right to the ground otherwise. So they plug Neo in and they upload a fighting program. Yeah. They go with jujitsu first because Neo gets very, very excited about learning jujitsu. Jujitsu? Because he's a freaking nerd. I'm going to learn jujitsu, which was me a few years ago when I started taking jujitsu martial arts training. Wow, you, you probably got a lot of mileage out of that one. Said that every day before class to myself in the mirror. Excellent. <laughs> I mean, I would have. So Neo learns jujitsu, and then Tank is like, let's teach you more stuff. So he starts uploading more and more fighting skills into Neo's fucking brainstem. And then Morpheus comes up and Neo opens his eyes and just says, I know Kung Fu. One of the things that they load into him is Taekwondo, which Taekwondo is not a martial art. Taekwondo is a sport. <laughs> well, he can play a sport now. I doubt Thomas Anderson got out much. Yeah, that's probably true. So Morpheus is like, let's, let's see what you got, special boy. Let's go to the dojo. To the dojo! I love how this movie's been in like pure exposition mode for 30 minutes and I'm not bored yet. It's perfect. It's wonderful. It's fun. They make it fun. So Neo and Morpheus fight. It's a very good fight. All of the actors trained for months before shooting even began on not just fight choreography, but fight training. They were trained by like world-class professional martial artists to get them to the level where they could perform these fight scenes in ways that seemed natural enough to the eye. Like, yes, there were wires, but like, it's martial arts. It's a fucking whooping wirework extravaganza, which was, I think, so iconic and such a good choice because their fighting looks like old martial arts fighting. Yeah, this is the Wachowskis being very indulgent with regards to their own interests. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily need to be here, but it's here and it's good. <laughs> 
They definitely do the thing that is incredibly dorky and I know I shouldn't like, but I like it every time, which is the kung fu hand pose turned into the come on fingers. Yes! (laughs) Come hither, my dudes. Come hither. Come and get it. Come get some. Come get y'all juice. I'm aware that it's probably not actually that cool, but it's cool, though. It's very cool. It is kind of cool. I also noticed on my second go around watching this for this episode, a bit of a visual metaphor with the fighting. Morpheus' moves, he is mostly moving and striking from outside, as in he's moving around him, striking at the backs of Neo's arms, at the backs of his shoulders, at his back, rather than approaching from the front and moving within Neo's space. Which is kind of like Morpheus is working outside the rules of reality that Neo is taking for granted. So, of course, all of his strikes are coming from the outside. Oh, that's cool. I like that. And then once Neo starts actually gets into the same mindset, he also starts moving and striking from the outside. So more kind of like haymakers and roundhouses and stuff. Like, Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, like stepping around Morpheus to attack rather than just flying right at him and then going around morpheus by literally running up a wall and flipping around his head very cool that's a really good observation i did a lot of kung fu research for one teen wolf fanfic i did oh that's cool (laughs) that sounds about right (laughs) i wish i cared about teen wolf i want to read that i'll send you a link to my 140,000 word teen wolf novel once we're done here as well i said i wish i cared about teen wolf everybody is watching this fight on a tiny little computer screen they're like oh my god neo's getting so fast i can't even follow his motions it's impossible he's got to be the one and he (laughs) lands a punch on morpheus so morpheus is like all right let's do another thing let's do the jump program load the jump program not the jump program it's the jump program (laughs) motherfuckers get ready They go from dojo to skyscraper roof. Morpheus is like, watch this. And he runs off the edge of the roof, jumps, sails into the sky, and lands perfectly safe on the other skyscraper across the street. And Neo's like, I can't fucking do that. And Morpheus (laughs) is like, okay, try. And he tries and he falls and he lands on the ground. And There's like this whole bit where Mouse is like, what if he makes it? And Cypher's like, nobody makes it on the first try. But what if? And now Trinity is like, what if he makes it on the first try? And then when he doesn't, Trinity is like visibly disappointed. Trinity's like, but I have feelings for him. God damn it. <laughs> We've exchanged maybe 10 words, but I have feelings for him. She's watched him sleep a whole bunch. <laughs> There's more to it than that. <laughs> so Neo unplugs out of the training program and he spits blood into his hands and he's like that's weird i thought that was just like a fake computer program he's like yeah but it's like you know it's connected to your brain and your body so if you die in the dream you die in real life sucker the dog votes in the matrix it votes in real life (laughs) exactly oh my god it's all connected trinity brings him some dinner joe pantaleano sees trinity in the hallway and he's like you never brought me dinner And Trinity's like, yeah, well, you're not the one, so I don't care about you. And he kind of leers at her a little bit. I know Joe Pantoliano is supposed to give off a vibe that he wants to fuck Trinity, but this whole scene really gives off the vibe that he wants to fuck Neo. (laughs) There's a lot of sexual tension here, but they're both only talking about Neo. Subtext, baby. (laughs) And then we get another training program where Morpheus and Neo are walking through the city in what we think is the matrix we think they're back in and morpheus is explaining that anyone in the matrix can be an agent because the agents just kind of teleport from body to body that's why they just have to kill everybody and you know 
collateral. Just kill everybody so nobody turns into an agent. There's also a woman in a red dress. She's beautiful, right? Oh my God. <laughs> Did everybody just <laughs> pop one in their pants when she walked by or is that just me? <laughs> oh my God. She's beautiful. No. <laughs> and Neo kind of doesn't listen to Morpheus because he's staring at this fucking woman in the red dress and Morpheus says, were you even listening to me, Neo? I just told you this whole fucking story or were you just looking at the woman in the red dress? And Neo's like, uh, and Morpheus says, well, look again. And he turns around and she turned into an agent and has a gun to his head. And then they pause the program. Morpheus is like, what did I fucking tell you? <laughs> this is the lesson. Neo, you can't follow your dick here. Gotta follow your heart. <laughs> I, I think that's what that means. There's a good visual metaphor here where Neo and Morpheus are walking against like this big crowd. And Morpheus is kind of effortlessly walking through them. And Neo keeps shoulder checking literally every person he meets. <laughs> Because he's special. We get, like, kind of tricked that this is and is not the Matrix because we have also cut here pretty much out of nowhere like we did when we were cutting in the first part of the movie. It's true. Where they're just suddenly here. Neo learns his lesson, but then they're like, oh, gotta get out of the program. We got a little squiddy situation. Oh, boy. So they unplug, and we see that the spaceship that they're on is careening through the sewers system of the oldie society. The Squiddy is a sentinel, which is a machine gout that if they see people, they kill the people because the people are supposed to be in the goop and not out of the goop. Yeah, there's a really long chasing slash hiding scene here that doesn't really do a whole lot for the plot. It's mostly just here to lay groundwork for why the stakes are big at the end of the movie. So eventually they come to a resting point and they're like, we're going to charge the EMP, which is an electromagnetic pulse, which I thought was unique to this movie. And I didn't realize it was an actual thing for quite some time. <laughs> So they have to turn their entire power off. And they don't flip the switch because if a switch is introduced halfway through the movie, it's got to be flipped at the end. So they hide with their power off, but then the squid goes away. So they're safe and they're fine. And everyone's like, whew, got to change my drawers. <laughs> at some point, Neo sits with Cypher. He's like patrolling the Matrix. And Neo's like, you can read the code. And Cypher's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy. It's all just women with different hair colors to me. Like, yeah, he's, he's like, all I see is blonde, brunette, redhead. And so Cypher's definitely jerked it to a screen full of green letters, right? For sure. Every fucking night, man. 100%. Every, every chance he gets. And he sort of is talking to Neo, kind of giving off this sort of, I'm your friend vibe, which obviously is sinister. And then we have this weird scene in a beautiful restaurant. Someone cuts into a beautiful prime rib. It's a gigantic steak. That's like half a Chateaubriand. It looks amazing. <laughs> and his dining companion is, in fact, Agent Smith, Hugo Weaving, the main agent, the big bad boy. Elrond. <laughs> and Cypher is saying, if I get you access codes to Zion's mainframe, then I want you to plug me back into the Matrix so I can just live an ignorant fucking life and eat all these steaks, get my own life back. I don't want to wear a Henley. I don't want to be cold. I don't want to eat goop. I just want to be a normal guy. And Agent Smith is like, you got a deal, buddy. Of course, he has no way of guaranteeing that the machines will actually follow through on this. I think he realizes that, and I don't think he cares. He just wants to live that lie. Just wants to fuck some shit up before he dies. I came into this world screaming and covered in somebody else's blood, and I intend to leave it the same way. <laughs> so we go from this beautiful steak to these, like, bowls of goop. Disgusting, goopy 
bowls. You're born in the goop, you die in the goop, you eat the goop along the way. Everything is goop. I am goop. It's all goop. I am boo-boo the goop. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, well, if you close your eyes, it kind of tastes like chicken. And then Malice is like, isn't that weird that chicken just kind of tastes like every kind of food? Maybe that's because when they're making the computer code, the robots don't eat chicken. They don't know. How are they going to know what chicken tastes like? So maybe that's why we eat chicken. It just kind of tastes like... Actually, it's probably because the architect in the third Matrix movie looks like Colonel Sanders. (laughs) Oh, shit! (laughs) So everything just tastes like chicken. That goop's just finger-licking good. And Dozer's like, well, I made this myself, and it has everything the body needs. And Malice is like, it doesn't have everything the body needs. Hey, Neo, did you get your rocks off thinking about the woman in red? She's my program. I f***ing made her. She's beautiful. I'm 15 years old and I'm real horny. (laughs) (laughs) My dick is hard 24-7. I had to do something. (laughs) He, like, uh, offers to arrange, like, a liaison between Neo and the woman in red. Like, what the f***? Question. If you f*** in the Matrix... Do you come in real life? Yes. If you find in the Matrix, you don't want anybody else in the room and your operator just very quietly says nothing and puts on noise-canceling headphones. <laughs> Dozer's such a bro. Dozer's got everyone's back in this f***ing spaceship. He has been through it all. What a hero. Dozer's seen some sh. Dozer is really good at laundry. <laughs> He's had to be. Oh no, if you're going to find in the Matrix, you should take your pants off since that's you don't want to ruin your only pair of pants. And then you get all over the chair? No. You felt like the jizz towel. <laughs> that chair is already dirty. Exactly. It's not going to make it worse. Yes, it is. Guys, this is. I'm just going to remind you real quick that this is a PG-13 podcast. Oh, okay. So if you're not in the Matrix, you're not in real life. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Morpheus comes in and says, all right, Neo's ready. We're going to see the Oracle. Let's go. Everyone goes into the construct and gets suited up in their beautiful outfits and their leathers and their harnesses and their straps and their combat boots and their sunglasses. And then most of them stay in the car. (laughs) Most of them stay in the car. Yeah, pretty much. Instead of like a harsh transition, we see them all lining up in their chairs and we see them all popping into the Matrix. And then we see them walking out of the warehouse where they popped in and they see them all going into their car and we see Cypher ringing a telephone and dropping it into the garbage is like a tracking device. So we see it all happening. We don't see them just poof in. We see the whole process because Neo's awake now. He knows. He knows. He knows what the Matrix is. He knows Kung Fu. So they're driving in the car and Neo's like, I don't know who the Oracle is. And Trinity's like, she'll tell you about yourself. She'll give you what you need to know. What'd she tell you? That I was going to fall in love with someone. Well, she doesn't say that. She just kind of clams up about it. Like, she's about to say something, and then Morpheus starts going in about how special Neo is, and she shuts up. (laughs) So they get to this, like, grungy-ass apartment. Like, disgusting. Every single building in this is either, like, a completely sterile office building, or it's hilariously grungy. Well, I feel like one of the reasons why they use so many vacant buildings is so there are no agents that can pop in. Also, I imagine they're cheaper to film in. But yeah, they go in and there's this apartment full of people. Gotta be like 80 people in this apartment. It's like a fucking 
f***ing clown car apartments. You can tell that this place probably smells really bad. Weird carpets with kind of grandma smells in it. There's a display of collectible spoons, which is the most grandma shit I've ever seen in my life. Speaking of which, there's the kid, there's the spoon. We're not going to do it. We're not doing this. We don't no, have to. We're not doing that. We we're can't. not talking about it. You know what we should talk about? I think they're watching Night of the Lepus. Isn't that a fun movie? <laughs> I don't know what that movie is, but sure. It's a movie about evil rabbits. Oh, like follow the white rabbit? It's more like them, but rabbits. So instead of giant like grasshoppers or giant ants, it's, it's giant rabbits. Oh. By that, I mean the camera got really zoomed in on like five rabbits and just used that footage for the entire movie. Oh, a nightmare. Yeah, bunnies. I don't like them. Giant fuzzy bunnies. Anyway, the Oracle. Cool. She is a quaint old lady. And she's baking some cookies. I am such a sucker for aggressively normal, super powerful, supernatural creatures. So this is exactly my sh**. <laughs> she's baking some cookies and she's like, don't they smell great? And Neil's like, you're supposed to tell me my future, right? And she's like, well, I know you're going to knock over the vase. And he's like, what vase? And he knocks over the vase looking for the vase. And she's like, well, let's take it one step further. Would you have still knocked over the vase if I hadn't told you to be careful of the vase? <laughs> And Neo's like, shit! <laughs> She's having a great time. She's having a great time just giving this guy a really hard time. She is living for this. I adore her. <laughs> I liked her too. She was nice. She checks his teeth. She checks his ears. Looks yeah, at his she, eyes. Yeah, she examines him like she's thinking about buying a horse. <laughs> <laughs> And then she says, why do you think you're here? And he said, well, you're supposed to tell me if I'm the one. And she's like, well, sorry. <laughs> you're special, I guess, but not that special. Better luck next time. Also, you're going to have to choose between Morpheus's life and your own. Have fun with that. Here's a cookie. Bye-bye. Have a cookie. <laughs> so he goes back out. Morpheus is like, I don't want to hear a fucking thing. What she told you <laughs> was for your special ears only. You special, beautiful boy. And Neo's like, but, but, but. And the horse is like, nope, I don't want to know. Yeah, he basically just presses a finger over Neo's lips like, shh. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care if knowing what it is might help me in the future. I don't care. I don't want to know. Neo's like, well then. Don't let me say I told you so later. <laughs> totally should do. They're leaving and they're going into this building for the phone call. But then, oh, there's a black cat. Oh, there's another black cat. Deja vu. What? <laughs> like the moment he says deja vu, everyone looks at him like he just dropped the F-bomb in front of somebody's grandma. Deja vu in the Matrix means that some aspect of code was changed. And they're like, what the fuck? How did they know? Like, huh? So they go to their exit and all of the phone lines got cut so they can't use the phone and then mouse is guarding the room aka just looking at a centerfold of the one in red yeah yeah he made his own centerfold he made some porn for himself to look at he's horny he's 15 years old he's a horny 15 year old boy and he can code pornography and now he's going to die yep yeah because the cops come in well because he touched himself that's a sin exactly that's what you get <laughs> if you touch yourself in the dream you die in real life i don't know he tries to escape and then all of the windows were bricked up so it's like oh well that's what they changed in the code so no one can escape so the cops shoot him he does go down swinging firing off his two big machine guns but he dies they can't get out of the building because there's all the cops everywhere so they go in through the walls and they're like going down the pipes in the walls 
and then fucking Cypher gets a little <laughs> dust in his nose, even though it's not real dust and it's not his real nose. But then he he makes a little like chew, and they're like, oh, they're in the walls. We found them. So they start shooting the walls, and Morpheus headbutts through the wall, starts fighting all the cops himself and says trinity get neo out of here and neo's like no i didn't know this would happen so fast this is literally what the article just told me oh god and that when he headbutts through the wall it's so fucking good like he, he like raises his hands like he's milking the cow in the sky and then he just screams and headbutts through the wall right into agent smith like what the fuck it's very cool <laughs> it's so good and he goes up against agent smith himself and he just gets his entire ass handed to him it's quite brutal and then, like, 30 cops swarm in to finish him off. Meanwhile, Trinity and everyone escape with Neo, and they're running for the another phone so they can get out of the Matrix. Cypher disappears, and they're like, fuck it, we gotta go. Turns out Cypher gets out of the Matrix via another phone. He gets out, and he's like, I don't know where everyone went. It was really scary in there. Boom! Kills Dozer. Fucking <laughs> just shoots him and kills him. Yeah, they have, like, a lightning gun on board which i guess makes sense for the sentinels but he electrocutes the shit out of dozer and tank because tank comes in he's like fuck my brother they both get shot they're both presumably dead and so then the phone is ringing back in the matrix and trinity answers it and cypher is like well 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 what have we got here and trinity's like where's tank and dozer and cypher's like well they're dead so they can't come to the phone right now. But if you leave a message. Oh, wait, wait. Are you telling me the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now? Because she's dead? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Cypher's like, I don't like the real world. I sold myself to the robots. So I'm just going to kill you guys and be on my way. And Trinity's like, you shouldn't trust them. And Cypher's like, you should have just let me have sex with you when you had the chance. This is your fault. Yeah, while he's doing this shit. He is straddling her body on the ship. Yeah. So that's great. It's bad. It's quite perverse. So Cypher is like, well, I'm going to kill Apoc. And he pulls the plug right out of his head. And Apoc just falls down dead to the floor. And Switch is like, my boy. And then he's like, well, I'm going to kill Switch now, too. And Trinity's like, no. And then Switch knows what's coming. And she goes, not like these. Not like these. Yeah. That whole scene is really, really just deeply affecting of looking someone in the eyes knowing they're going to die and them looking back and knowing that they are also going to die it's just for someone who has like three lines total switch's death is really really hard but on the alternate side not like this is something i quote constantly i do too usually when i'm about to take damage in D. &D. i do it all the time it's such an iconic line <laughs> it is quite brutal though i do wish there was more of switch in the movie, and I wish they could have gone with what they wanted originally, but if wishes were horses, you know. What? What if wishes were horses? What happens? I want to hear the end of this. Then we'd all have a lot of horses. <laughs> what? <laughs> what if wishes were horses? I don't know this phrase. Well, then we'd have the horses. We'd have so many horses. <laughs> and we could ride them, we could brush them. Is that really how it goes? We could braid their manes and their tails. <laughs> so... Cypher is about to kill Neo, but then we get Tank, who's not actually dead. He just has a big hole in him, but he's fine. And he raises the lightning gun and says, believe it or not, you piece of shit, I'm going to kill you. And he kills him. But, okay, when they aired this on, like, TBS, they had to censor a lot of it. <laughs> and then they had to dub over some of the bad words. So the way that they did it was we have Tank's voice saying, believe it or not, you piece of, and then some stranger's voice that says, slime! Slime! <laughs> 
So we go, believe it or not, you piece of slime. Like, it's so good. It's my favorite thing in anything. Cypher dies. Trinity and Neo come back and they're like, well, shit. We got to get Morpheus back. At first, they're like, oh, we got to kill Morpheus before they hack into his brain. And then Neo's like, no, I'm special. The Oracle told me that I'm special. Morpheus told me I'm special. I fucking believe it. I believe it now. I'm special. We got to go. It's very much like Braveheart. Like, if you could change your fate, would ya? <laughs> That's not Braveheart. That's just regular Brave. Brave? No, I ruined it. <laughs> Trinity is like, I'm the fucking commanding officer on this ship. And if you don't listen to me, I'm going to be really bossy and really sexy about it. And Neo's <laughs> like, well, I'm going in and getting him and I want you to stay safe. And she's like, don't be ridiculous. I'm going in with you. They plan this heist and they go into the construct and they're like, give us the guns, Tank. And Tank gives them like miles and miles of guns. So they load up on guns and then they go into this building. Every security guard in that building dies for like no real reason. Yeah, they do a terrorism. <laughs> they do a terrorism. But they have that moment when Neo walks through the metal detector and security guard is like, whoa there, buddy. You got a little metal on you or something. Can I check inside your coat? And Neo's like, okay. And he opens his coat and it's just like every gun in the world is strapped to his body. <laughs> and the guy's like, shit. So they kill literally everyone. And they did start it. It wasn't like they were attacked and then they killed everyone. No, the only thing the security guard said was, oh shit, and then everyone died. Everyone absolutely dies because everyone could be an agent. You never know. You just have to kill them to be safe. So they kill everybody on the floor and then they're like, we're going to go up the elevator and we're going to blow up the floor while we go up the elevator, which seems counterproductive, but we're going to do it anyway. We're live. Yeah, I don't know why the bomb happens that they have in the elevator. Like, what does that realistically achieve? I think the bomb blows up the cable and shoots them skyward so they can get to the roof. They could have just cut it. Uh, if you cut the rope in the Matrix, then what happens in real life? <laughs> you don't want to mess with that. They're about to go to the roof, and Neo's holding on to the cable, and Trinity gets in really close. Neo says the thing. He says something about cutlery. We weren't really paying attention. It's, it's something probably important. So they shoot to the roof, they kill more people. Neo goes head to head with an agent. So he shoots bullets at the agent who like, his body gets really slow and he's dodging out of the way and the camera spins around and he doesn't get hit by any of the bullets. And Neo is like, oh shit, because then the agent's gonna shoot Neo back. And so Neo learns from watching the agent and he swings back and is, I'm literally like pantomiming this and his arms go flying <laughs> and his cape goes flying. And he's able to dodge Trinity's like, oh my god, how did you do that? You were like an agent. And Neo is like, I'm special. Haven't you learned anything? <laughs> and then he's like, but I'm not special enough because I still got like mildly bulleted. Yeah, and Trinity has this moment where she literally appears directly at the agent's head with a gun and says, dodge this. And it's a good shot. And it's a very good shot. Yeah, it's not possible at all, but it's real good. Oh yeah, she's beautiful though. She's so beautiful in this scene. They get a helicopter and Trinity's like, Tank, I gotta learn how to fly a helicopter. And he says, you got it. And now she can fly a helicopter. So they're flying a helicopter down the window. There's this whole interrogation scene where Agent Smith is trying to get the codes to Zion out of Morpheus. And he's like torturing him and they give him a drug and it makes him like, <laughs> it's really gross. And then Agent Smith does like this monologue about how much he hates the Matrix and we're getting villain motivations like half an hour before the end of the movie. <laughs> He's like, the humans are disgusting. I hate dealing with you. You all smell bad. There's this bit about how he thinks they're a virus. Humans are a virus because we move from place to place consuming all the resources. And I'm like, buddy, that ain't humans. That's capitalism. Yeah, too soon. That's what capitalism be. <laughs> too soon, too soon. The wound is too fresh. 
Neo lowers the helicopter and has machine guns and fires through the window. And he's like, get up, Morpheus, get up. We got to get out of there. Get up. Come on, Morpheus. Come on, Morpheus. You got to get up. Come on. You got to get up. Morpheus, get up. And Morpheus screams and busts out of the handcuffs like he pulls them apart. It turns out Morpheus was the special one this whole time. Everyone <laughs> is special. Morpheus runs to the helicopter, but he gets shot. And oh, no, he's not going to make it. So Neo grabs a cable, grabs a harness, jumps out into the middle, catches Morpheus in a full body hug midair. And off they go. Then the helicopter gets shot, so they have to land. And Trinity's still flying the helicopter, and Neil lands on the roof. And he swings the cable that he's still connected to on the helicopter around his wrist a few times and hopes that Trinity will shoot the cable and get out of the helicopter. Problem is, Trinity's still falling with the speed and velocity of the helicopter. So when she takes the weight of the cable, it's supposed to pull Neo over the roof. But because Neo's a special boy, he's able to hold her <laughs> and pulls her up get a really cool shot of trinity flying into a mirror and an explosion going on behind her and you think you're watching the shot but you're actually watching the mirror image of the shot so like that's fun you were special all along we gotta go <laughs> they go to a subway morpheus poofs out of the matrix trinity's like i've got to talk to you neo and neo's like we'll talk later and so trinity puts her phone to her ear and as soon as she poofs out of there the phone gets shot because there was a homeless guy in the subway, goddammit. They didn't even look. <laughs> Nobody ever notices the homeless guy, which is, you know, commentary on society as well. It's a commentary on something. Agent Smith turns into the homeless guy, and he and Neo have this big fight. And it's a really cool fight, really well choreographed, really well executed. And then they run out of bullets in their guns, and then they just go hand-to-hand. -hand. Agent Smith gets Neo on the subway tracks and the subway's coming and he's like, Mr. Anderson, you're gonna die. And Neo's like, stop dead naming me. That's not my name. Stop. Ooh, woo. And then he Neo's like immediately like, my name is Neo, F off. And then jumps him into the ceiling? Jumps all the way into the ceiling to break Agent Smith's grip on him. And then backflips out of the subway and Agent Smith gets run over by the subway, which buys Neo a bit of time, which he wastes by staring to see what happens. <laughs> Because he just morphs into another person on the subway and then gets off the subway. As though he's surprised that this happens. I mean, he's still pretty new. It's the one thing that he knows agents do. It's his second <laughs> time back in the Matrix after waking up. Give he had that back. whole thing with the woman in the red dress. He wasn't paying attention. Well, he wasn't paying attention to the lesson either. So <sighs> he's running. He steals some guy's cell phone and is like, get me out of here. And so they're like, go to this building, go to that building, get out of there, go, go, go. And it's just, it is like an inordinately long chase sequence. Like, I don't think this sequence needed to be as long as it was. No. Meanwhile, while this is happening, the ship, the Nebuchadnezzar, is actually under attack by squids. So we actually have a point to that scene from earlier. Squids are here. They want in. They want in your can. And they gotta use the EMP, but they can't use the EMP while people are still plugged into the Matrix because that will kill them. Yep. It's a race against time, for sure. That does mean that we get, like, things for the other characters to do, which is nice. Because at this point, it's down to basically Neo and the agents. Whereas we actually have something for everybody else who's still alive to do back on the Nebuchadnezzar. Which is mostly scream while squids are tearing their ship apart like a tin can. And also make out with Neo. Yeah, because Neo gets through the building, gets down the corridor... Hears the ringing phone, opens the door, and gets shot point blank in the chest by an agent about 20 times. It's such a great shot because you see him, his head jerks back. He looks down, 
his fingers come away bloody and he's like oh i've been shot and then he gets shot like a million times and like time kind of speeds up again like back to normal and then he falls into the wall slides down the wall there's a huge snail trail of blood and agent smith is like goodbye mr anderson and then trinity back on the ship sees that neo has died kind of comes out with her own stuff which is that the oracle told her that she's gonna fall in love one of these days and that the man she loves is going to be the one. So Trinity's like, well, you can't be dead because you're the one, because I love you. There, I said it, now can I go? <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously she's a very restrained person. She feels a lot of feelings, but she's like a elite hacker extraordinaire. She kind of keeps her emotions close to the chest and coming out with this confession and admitting that she loves someone and that she cares about someone is a big deal for her. Plus she's been trying to say it for the last like hour and people keep saying, no, not right now. And she's like, fuck. I guess it's not that important. Either way, she kisses him back to life. Again, Neo is the little pretty, pretty princess of this analogy. He is Snow White being kissed or Sleeping Beauty even. Hell, why am I? There's a lot of kissing back to life. Neo is the sleeping princess. Trinity is the handsome prince. Transformative states. He wakes up, fights the agents in a really cool way because he's super powerful now and he's really fast and he's like not even breaking a sweat. And then he kicks the agent away, holds his leg in the air, twists around. I used to try to do this when I was younger and more flexible. <laughs> it's very hard. My hip kept popping and making weird noises, so I stopped. Then he jumps into Agent Smith's tummy, blows him up from the inside out. The other agents are like, Ugh, and they run away. And then Neo's like, great, now I can get out of the Matrix so we can turn off the electricity and run the EMP. And it's like, is he going to make it? Is it going to happen? Don't worry, he makes it. It's fine, everybody. It's fine. They're just going to kiss more in the rubble. Yeah, it's really cute. And now it's consensual. Then they'll fuck during a rave in the next movie. Because once you kiss <laughs> in rubble, like, where else is there to go? Cave rave. <laughs> this is technically the end of the movie, except for the denouement here. So we need to have Neo monologuing at the Matrix itself. Which he does. He talks into a phone, not to really anybody, just to be like, hey, what's up? I'm cool now. I'm going to show all these people what you don't want them to see. Gender's a construct. <laughs> and so is the Matrix. <laughs> don't worry. This is not about gender. It is. It is about gender. It's a queer ass movie. It's a very gay movie. And in case you forgot, this movie came out in 1999. Here's a Rage Against the Machine song. Oh, my God. Also, Neil flies. And he flies. Yeah, he flies now flies away and the movie's over yeah and that's the end of the movie you guys here's some rage against the machine because they raged against the machine we did it we did it <laughs> <laughs> i'm tired <laughs> you sound exhausted you were very animated throughout this entire thing i am very passionate about the matrix well i'm glad you we got to talk about it with you i think that means it's about time for our final facts Allie, you're our guest. What's your final fact? If I want to go with a final fact is that the Matrix is hella queer and that it was the Trojan horse of queerness that nobody knew we wanted and that we all didn't deserve, was too good for us, but we got it anyway. Kit, what's your final fact? Half a Chateaubriand is really fucking expensive, but it is also a really good steak. So if somebody offered me like one of those for free, I would probably betray all my friends and try to kill them. Betrayed for a steak. It's a really good steak. That's like 40 bucks worth of beef. I've never had a Chateaubriand before, so I'll have to try. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> you're all going down. <laughs> Annie, what's your final fact? Well, I guess now my final fact is that I'm really worried about the people I choose to befriend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. 
It's all, I would sell you to Satan for one corn chip. You know, back in my day, it was just Turkish delight. <gasps> oh, my goodness. Oh, Turkish delight isn't that good, though. I know, it's not. Oh, Allie, delight. thanks for coming on. Where can people find you online? Thank you for having me. I had so much fun talking with you guys, and I like truly love this podcast. I love listening to it. You can find me at on Twitter at Allie Stock, A-L-L-Y-S-T-A-W-K. I take a lot of pictures of cosplayers, performers, people doing cool things. It's on Instagram, AllisonStock underscore. I also co-host a podcast with Chris Sims. You might have heard of it. It's called Xena Warrior Business, where we talk about every episode of the classic 1990s action adventure syndicated television network show, Xena Warrior Princess, and why it is that we love it so much. Very fun. If you want to dip your toe in there, both Kit and I have been on before. So if you want someone familiar, you can go listen to us talk about Xena. Well, I think that is actually going to wrap it up for us. So hopefully we have thoroughly convinced you that Neo is a lesbian. Join us next time when we are going to cover something else involving pop culture, probably. I think it's fan <laughs> fiction, but you know what? I'm, done. I'm not going to make any bets. I'm tired. I Will Fight You comes out every three weeks. Wherever you download podcasts, you can also find us on social media. We are on Twitter at CRC Podcasts, and we are on Tumblr at crookedrussiancam.tumblr.com. You can also find more information about us on our website, crookedrussiancam.horse, where you can learn about both this and all of our other projects. If you want to support us, a like, rating, review, subscribe, comment, wherever you find our podcast is always super helpful. Helps our metrics, helps us get discovered, helps us talk more about the matrix, I guess. <laughs> if you want to support us with dollars, you can do that at patreon.com slash the gem jam for a couple bucks a month you can support both this and our other good projects again at crookedrussiancamp.horse which is a very good website url and you're never going to convince us otherwise <laughs> so until next time dear listeners i'm annie i'm kit and i'm Allie, and we have fought you Do you know why Switch is named Switch? I mean, you told us before, but for the internet people. Pretend that you don't. Pretend that <laughs> this never why happens. Why is APOC named Switch? Why <laughs> Switch is named Wait, Switch? Wait, that's not the question. APOC is APOC. <laughs> why is Switch named Switch, Allie? <laughs> Honestly, imagine if the agent turned into Neo right when he was, like, about to take the pill. He would have been able to kill everyone. That's the agents now coming to stop me from talking. <laughs> I know too much. I used to have a big gap between my teeth like him. They closed it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. (laughs) We're just going to leave that hanging, huh? Thanks for having me on your podcast. Have a nice day, everybody. I promise I'll appreciate it. I do I do know what that is. Thank you. Thank no you for acknowledging my suffering. I have never touched the Guys, phone. we have been recording for over two hours. <laughs> yeah, where have you been? <laughs> they go from dojo to skyscraper roof. Roof? Is that what it's called? The roof of a skyscraper? I think it's still the roof. Like, the ceiling would be on the inside, so it's the roof. Uh, you so- guys, yes, it's a roof. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt weird saying it. All right, well, just a heads up to our listeners. I'm sorry about the audio, but we're not fucking stopping. So if you made it this far, I will give you a kiss in the mouth were we ever to meet in person and a hearty expression of gratitude. Grateful for my gratitude. Mindfulness. The kiss on the mouth isn't the expression of gratitude? Well, that's a bonus. 
<laughs> it's a perk. So yeah, Neo goes to the club. 